to make a rich, smooth cold brew. Tim Horton steeps 100% Arabica beans for 16 hours. What could be richer than that? Well, uh... How about blending in swirls of sweet Irish cream? Rich enough? Ooh, I guess. Not quite, because Tim Hortons tops that cold brew with the cloud of sweet cold foam. Now, what could be richer than that? Nothing? Exactly. Irish cream cold brew with cold foam now at Tim Hortons. Or try cold foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modifications extra for a limited time at participating U.S. locations. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon on the Talkstar Radio Network and the Exxon Broadcast Network coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, right across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Australia, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. If you'd like to give us a call worldwide, 1-800-610-7035. That's 1-800-610-7035. My email address is xzone at xzoneradiotv.com, on MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com, and our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. You know, when you think of Las Vegas Exxon Nation, chances are you picture slot machines, card tables, casinos, showgirls, and yes, maybe even Elvis. Yet those things can be found still today in abundance on the Strip. But we're going to be speaking to someone who's lived and worked in Sin City, so they call it. 
And uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. We're going to be talking to Jay Rankin this hour. We're going to be talking about his book, Under the Neon Sky, a Las Vegas doorman story. Now, the name Las Vegas conjures up images, as I said, of casinos, right? Gambling, drinking, spectacles, and sex. Yeah, as we all know, as we've seen on TV, Vegas is all that and more. It's a city truly without boundaries. There are no clocks, no last call, no one to stop you from staying up all night, getting rich, or going broke, or even destroying your marriage or finding true love. Yet for a brief moment in time, you're free to be whomever or whatever you want to be. Now, what could be more alluring? Well, if you think Las, if you think you know Las Vegas, you've only heard half the story. Joining me now is Jay Rankin, author of the new nonfiction book, Under the Neon Sky, Las Vegas Dormant Story. And Jay, welcome to the X-Zone. Thank you for having me on, Rob. You know, I've been to Las Vegas a couple of times. Uh, once was for a convention and one was to see a client. And... Uh, it is truly an amazing city. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if I could live there, though. My wife would kill me. Uh, but uh, what's it like living there, you know, full-time like you do? Well, I, you know, I, I, I kind of, my background's in psychology. I'm not sure how I ended up having this job. Um, but just, just to give you a quick backdrop, um, my shift was 7 p.m. to 3 a.m., mm-hmm. and my days off were Thursdays and Fridays. And living in Las Vegas, what that meant for me was that my wife and I uh, were not going to connect unless there was something that she could do that would um, allow us to connect. And that meant that whatever job, career she she was going to have, um, she she had to make sure that that the two of us uh, were going to make some sort of connection uh, each week. If we didn't, we would grow apart. And this is one of the problems in Las Vegas working for hotels because there are no weekends. Um, there's sometimes a lot of traffic at three in the morning, and mm-hmm. this is only because employees are getting off; others are coming on to a new shift. And Las Vegas is also a place where it's 24-7, which means that if you do get bored or lost or lonely, uh, there's a million and one places uh, to go at 7 at night as there are at 3 in the morning. doesn't matter. There's pubs, nightclubs, bars. It's, it's, um, it's a town that, that's filled with landmines. Um, if you're in a bad marriage, if you're not connecting with your spouse, which is exactly what happened uh, in my marriage. Um, Jay, you and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. Jay Rankin's our special guest, Exxon Nation. His website, jayslasvegas.com. That's www.jayslasvegas.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as we continue right here in the Exxon. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. 
But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Rankins, our special guest, Exxon Nation, www.jayslasvegas.com. That's jayslasvegas.com, and that's J-A-Y-S-L-A-S-V-E-G-A-S.com. And he's the author of a new book that is out entitled Under the Neon Sky, A Las Vegas Doorman's Story. Jay, um, as, as a, as a uh, graduate with a degree in psychology, um, what do you make of the people who keep going to Las Vegas and losing everything they've got. Like, why don't people realize that the chances of winning are stacked highly against anyone who puts the money in the slots or goes to the tables? Well, that's a great question. Um, and it's a tough one to answer. It has to do, I think, with uh, what Las Vegas represents. And I think that Vegas is one of the very few places that people can really do what they want. They can be whoever they want. Like you said at the beginning of the show, Rob, there's no last calls, yep. no clocks, no windows. It's a 24-7. And I've heard over and over again that that, um, that there's this rush of anticipation that people feel when, uh, when they're even planning to, to come to Las Vegas. And I think there's a reason for that. How many times in our lives do we get to feel this sense of absolute freedom where you don't have to go to bed, you don't have to eat dinner, you can drink, you can party, you can play, whatever your, your thing is, whether it's sex or gambling, um, drinking, getting drunk. Las Vegas doesn't have those rules. Uh, there aren't those lines in the sands that there are in just about everywhere else in the world. And I think that that uh, it's just human nature for all of us to, every once in a while in our lives, just let it all go. Blow the steam. Party hard. Uh, get crazy. And and just forget about our lives for for uh, a weekend in time. And don't, and, and don't uh, forget, whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, that too. Um, there, there's really nobody that's going to care too much about how much money you lose, how drunk you got, or how many affairs you had. It, it just doesn't matter. That's the environment that you're in. So, mm-hmm. yeah, basically what does happen in Vegas stays there, at least until I wrote my book. <laughs> but e- even if you wanted to go to a brothel and you mm-hmm. swipe your credit card for that, there won't be a paper trail. Um, it, it will not look like anything unusual or out of the ordinary on your bill. Wow. So, yeah, Las Vegas does very much uh, keep their, their clients happy. They keep, they keep them anonymous. 
Uh, it's nobody's business. The press isn't allowed to get uh, information on people, whether they're celebrities or, or just a, a, a typical tourist. So, it's yeah, what happens there stays there, all right. Tell me, who are some of the uh, celebrities that you've had the occasion to meet over the years? I think just about all of them. Um, I don't have any celebrity stories. Uh, they were all very nice. Uh, they, they, uh, but you name the star, and I've just about seen them all. You name wow. the celebrity, the athlete. Um, being the doorman at the MGM Grand, um, working 7 at night to 3 a.m., I've seen uh, groups like the Rolling Stones walk by. I, I've, I've turned around one night, and there was Tony Curtis standing right there. And Brad Garrett came and made my cab line do jumping jacks one night. It was a cold evening. I guess he was trying to warm them up. But but uh, they all come to Las Vegas, especially for the big events, the big concerts, uh, the big boxing uh, venues. Uh, there's a lot of celebrities that love Las Vegas as well. But they don't get crazy. They don't they don't do wild things. I I, th- I think that this whole thing with Tiger Woods in Las Vegas is just a Another example of how Las Vegas protects uh, its clients, the way the whole city is set up. How could nobody know uh, that Tiger Woods was doing this for such a long period of time? And um, that's because what happens there stays there. In your um, in in your book, uh, there there are several stories, and um, I was wondering if you could share with us the uh, fight night between Tyson and uh, Holyfield. If your listeners um, go to my website, jayslasvegas.com, um, they can pull up my website and, and they'll be able to, to uh, download the very first chapter of my book, Under the Neon Sky, uh, for free. Wow. And what that does is it drops, it, pu- it puts the reader in a front row seat. It drops the reader right smack dab in the middle of the night that Mike Tyson bit off a chunk of Evander Holyfield's ear and the chaos that ensued after that fight. That was probably the craziest, most stunning, uh, profound night of my entire time in Las Vegas, if not my whole life. Um, the, the hotel was actually shut down that night. There were a lot of people hurt. There were a lot of uh, tables kicked over in the casino. A lot of chips were taken. Uh, it was just a crazy, wild night, and it all started with the uh, the popping noise of champagne uh, corks, you know, flying off the bottles, and people thought it was gunfire. And uh, that first chapter will tell you exactly what happened that night. It's it's pretty riveting, and that was one example. And then there's other typical examples that happened all the time. I put a a, a guy in a cab. Um, and, and he closed the door and the cab left and the next woman in the taxi line was looking in her purse for something and she looked up and I asked her where she wanted to go and she said, well, that was my husband you just put in the cab. And, and my first thought was, well, why didn't he stop the car? Why didn't he notice you weren't in the cab? She was wearing, you know, a, a tight skirt and mm-hmm. she was running after the cab. So I saw a lot of that where people kind of short circuit, uh, in Las Vegas, they, they, um, they're, they get a little nuts. They get a little crazy. They're not themselves. <laughs> Here, here's here's uh, here's uh, something out of your book. A tall, beautiful hooker passes by, and she winks at me. I smile back. 
her skirt is slid up the sides to her smooth thighs, and her neckline plunges all nude inside. The backless dress shows off the dimples of her gorgeous behind. Uh, I wish she would take me away. Was she that good-looking? I was describing a woman by the name of Angel, and um, and Angel and I actually did make a connection. And, um, you know, people think about prostitution and, and hookers, call girls, um, uh, in religious terms and social terms and economic terms, um, a lot of judgments uh, that are passed around. But, but my feeling uh, about the, the hookers in Las Vegas, especially since I knew so many of them, um, was that these were some pretty uh, classy women. Um, they were beautiful. They, they took very good care of themselves. They saw a doctor every week. It was all regulated. Um, this was their profession. This is what they did. And uh, they came to Las Vegas from every probably big city and small town in America uh, for whatever reason and fell into this line of work. And a lot of them were very intelligent. They, they spoke a couple languages. They could cook. And, um, and the, these women were pretty sophisticated. They were very streetwise. And I got to know a lot of them. Certainly some of them were not the way I just described, but a lot of them were. These were not the street corner prostitutes on drugs uh, mm-hmm. trying to make $20 at all. These, these were women that, that um, had a manager uh, that, that uh, always knew where they were at all times. The, these were women that um, would, would sometimes roam the casinos if they had time if it was a slow night. And these were women, women that very often would come out and hang out with me and my partner. And um, we got to know them, and, and um, my gosh, I mean, uh, they were just stunning to look at, a lot of them. So, yeah, I, I got to know them. I had relationships with them, and, and they were just part of the whole scene that I was in. And as you were saying earlier, the, the prostitution in Las Vegas is legal, so these were actually business people. Actually, it's not legal, prostitution in Las Vegas. It's illegal. Um, although there's an awful lot of prostitution going on in Las Vegas, certainly. Or I, I'm sorry, are there, is prostitution legal in certain parts of the state of Nevada? Yes. Okay. Uh, the, yeah. the closest area, it, right outside sorry. of Clark County, that Las Vegas sits in, is Nye County, and Nye County is about a 55-minute drive uh, from uh, the middle of Las Vegas. And there, there's uh, you'll see all the brothels. Um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't um, lots and lots of sex being sold. There isn't mm-hmm. lots of sex being sold in the city of Las Vegas. There is. Plus, you know, everything sexual goes on in Las Vegas. I even wrote an article about how sex sells in Vegas. There's the topless clubs. There's the way the cocktail uh, servers dress. I mean, everything has to do with sex. There's the nightclubs and and uh, the uniforms, and some of the topless clubs are all nude. Some are half nude. But sex is everywhere. It's all over the place in Vegas. But officially, um, prostitution is illegal in Las Vegas. Do you, do you think there will come a time in the near future where prostitution will be legal within the city limits of Las Vegas? 
You know, I don't know. Um, you know, it's it's it, it's kind of a loose subject, and I think one of the reasons for that is because prostitution actually um, is what brings people to Las Vegas. Um, I, I think not not that people want to have affairs with prostitutes, but it's that whole uh, feeling uh, of of Las Vegas that there is prostitution, there is gambling and drinking and all of those, as we discussed earlier, boundaries and lines in the sands, both both legal and culturally speaking, socially speaking. Jerry, you uh, and I have to is... take our break. Please stand by. Jerry Rankin sure. is our special guest, Exxon Nation, www.jerryslasvegas.com. <laughs> Jerry is the author of Under the Neon Sky, a Las Vegas doorman's story. And we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talk Star Radio Network and on the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't go away. We'll be back. Hi, this is Eric Rawls of Cosmoverse.com, and you're listening to Rob McConnell in the Exxon. Hi, this is Blade Runner, and you are listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X Zone, with Rob McConnell. Hi, I'm Laura Sabrin of Cease to Fields Organic Vineyard in Jordan, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X Zone, with Rob McConnell. Hi, my name is Lady Ashley, the White Witch of Niagara on the Lake, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal talk radio show, The X Zone, with Rob McConnell. Welcome to The X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. See, I get my own name right, but do you think I can get my good friend Jay's name right? No, I've been calling him Jerry for the last segment. His name is Jay Rankin, Exxon Nation, and his website is www.jayslasvegas.com. And he is the author of a brand new book that is uh, just out. It's called Under the Neon Sky, a Las Vegas Dorman Story. Once again, his website is jayslasvegas.com. And if you go to Jay's website, you can actually load uh, download the first chapter with his compliments. Jay, first of all, sorry for calling you Jerry. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe the, the connection between Las Vegas and Jerry Springer. I don't know. My apologies. <laughs> Not a problem at all, Rob. But, but Thank tell, you. tell me... Um, how you know were were customers always jovial? Were they always pleasant? Were they always polite? Or did you get some real jerks when you were working the cab line? Well, when I got this job, I had literally no hotel experience, let alone uh, hotel in Las Vegas experience, and and I was thrown in in, in this job uh, working from seven at night mm-hmm. to, to three a.m. 
And what I, I began to notice were several things. That first of all, Las Vegas changed a great deal from day to night. During the day, lots of families, uh, people wearing shorts, tank tops, holding their children's hands. And at night, as I explained and described in, in my book, um, as the sun went down, the predators came out. The, sh- the city shifted. Um, the, the, the possibilities became endless. Um, and all of a sudden the lights would come up and there was this inner shimmer and there were these noises and smells that weren't present uh, during the day that would come out at night. And one of the things that, that I began to notice is, is that there was an edge to some of the guests. Um, I, I couldn't figure it all out. I, I was in the middle of a working at the MGM, which mm-hmm. is a 5,000-room hotel, and wow. we'd have show breaks and concert breaks and dinner crowds and conventions. And and every once in a while, I'd be up against somebody that would flick a cigarette at me or that would throw a drink at me or, or a cigar. And I couldn't understand some of the anger. Uh, sometimes I would see a look in, in a woman's eyes, and I could see she wasn't happy. And she was with a man, and he looked enraged. And I finally figured it out that there are so many people that come to Las Vegas that have such a huge need to blow steam and to feel that rush, that feeling of freedom, that very often they hurt themselves. Um, I've seen people lose money uh, their first hour. I've seen people get so drunk their entire stay and not eat one meal, uh, not sleep. And... um, it was pretty stunning to watch uh, uh, many of these people, and sometimes they took it out on me, and, and I had to understand what that formula was that was going on, which was exactly that. They were losing their money, they weren't sleeping, and they weren't eating nor making a connection of, of their, with their spouse. And not a meal together, you know, uh, n- not a show all the things that Las Vegas offers, they actually did not do. And uh, on their way home, they'd look at me with the bloodshot eyes and the dehydrated lips and Hmm. and exhaustion, many of them wearing the same clothes they came with, and I could just see that rage in in their eyes. I'm sorry, go ahead. But Jerry, is that an excuse to treat another person who is in the service industry the way that they were treating you? Well, actually, I think that that most employees that work for hotels, if if you work for a hotel in in Chicago or San Francisco or New York, Hawaii, you're you're there is a last call there. There there is a way of behaving there. Mm -hmm. It's it's uh, you go out to dinner, everything's very regulated. It is twenty four seven. I mean, excuse me, it is not twenty four seven like it is in Las Vegas. Uh, the place shuts down, you know, right around bedtime. Whereas in Las Vegas, it's not like that. So imagine being an employee in Las Vegas, and I don't care what you do, you're having to deal with people that are losing money mm-hmm. and uh, th- that haven't slept and that are drunk. And I don't care if you're a blackjack dealer or if you're in housekeeping or a waitress or a doorman like I was. Um, you're going to be confronted with people that have rage in their eyes. A lot of it is self-loathing. They're very upset with themselves, but they, it's human nature to take it out on others. 
So you just become a victim of circumstance. You do. It's something you have to put up with because in Las Vegas, more, you know, like any other big, big business, uh, it, 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 the customer's always right. Always. And we want them back. We want them to call our sure. hotel home. And it's a challenge for employees very often. It really is to give grand class service to people that are, are, uh, just over the top, uh, difficult. So, it's always a challenge, but you got to learn not to swallow it, although I swallowed way too much. It, it was difficult for me with my personality type uh, to be called names and, and to have things thrown at me and, and uh, stuff like that. It's just not in my nature to swallow that. Sure. But uh, it, it, it was a challenge. It really was. Tell me, Jerry, people who go to Las Vegas, are they Jay. Good? I, I'm sorry. See, I did it again. Just checking to make sure you were listening. Jay, uh, people, yeah. who, people who go to Las Vegas, are they good tippers? Well, th- there again, that, that's a whole new world that, that I had to learn about was tipping. The reason I took the job is because I was told it was the uh, being a doorman at the MGM Grand was going to be the highest tipping job in the city. And, I, you know, I understood that, but I didn't really know what it meant. And I had to learn a lot about tipping. And and at first, I, I wasn't doing so good because, you know, I'd blow my whistle in people's ears. Yeah. I wasn't good at putting my lips together and whistling. I'd spray people. I, I wasn't good at doing things that would get people to, to reach into their pockets and hand me tips. And I had to learn that. And once I got wind of that and learned all the tricks of how to get tips from people, which wasn't just putting them in cabs, it was also sending them to restaurants, to shows, getting them into clubs that that they couldn't get into on their own, sending them to brothels. Um, There were so many ways to make money in tips that eventually, yeah, it became huge. I felt like a drug dealer. My pockets were bulging from tips. And, but, but there's a way to do it. And I also learned that there's a lot of people in the country that earn their living with tips. So, um, you know, there's tax uh, compliance with that, uh, with, with the IRS. But I was earning a great deal of money. Uh, and, and sometimes you didn't know who was going to tip you. Uh, there was a, one of the biggest, wealthiest players in the world once handed us twelve one hundred dollar bills for nothing all we did was open a door for him and we'd find money laying around you know it was an ocean of money in las vegas it, it was just uh, pretty extraordinary how little money means to people in las vegas until they get home tell me what was the biggest tip you ever received the biggest tip I ever received, I actually returned. It was a $5,000 chip. Wow. That was, yeah, it was handed to me by a very uh, intoxicated guest of the hotel. Mm-hmm. I, I arranged a limo for him and put he and his wife in. He was drunk as a skunk, and he reached in his pocket just before he fell into the limo and handed me a white chip with pink dots around it. And I looked at it after he drove off, and it was $5,000. And uh, I called him the next morning. He was a guest of the hotel. And I asked him if he meant to give me that. And uh, he didn't know what I was talking about, of course. So he didn't even remember doing it. So I had to return it to him. But other than that, it was very common for me to get $100 bills. Um, During some of the big conventions and fight nights, 
$100 bills were being waved in front of our faces uh, for, for transportation all night long. Wow. Um, I've received several hundred dollars from people that just uh, had won a jackpot. They liked me. They liked the restaurant I, I referred them to and just handed it to me. Um, it, it was crazy. And, and, you know, we based our income on volume. So uh, it, was, uh, it was nuts how people in those days were just throwing money around like nothing. How about the, um, the drug scene? You, you were t- yeah, a few minutes ago you said, you know, your pockets were bulging as if you were dealing drugs. Are there a lot of drugs, illegal drugs in Las, in Las Vegas? Of course there are, absolutely. I'm not saying there's any more or less than any other big city, but the difference between uh, big cities in Las Vegas is that Las Vegas is a party town. If you're you're going to Chicago, you're not going there to party. You're going there for business or take a a vacation or to see the city. Um, But in Las Vegas, you're going to party. You're going to have a good time. You're going to relax. You're going to lay out at the pool. You're going to be with your friends. You're going to get crazy, nightclubs, shows, gambling, whatever you feel like doing. So certainly, if you do drugs, um, it's, it's all right there to be had, or you can bring them with you, and nobody's going to really care. Nobody's going to really even know the difference as long as, as uh, you behave yourself somewhat. But sure, there's lots of drugs in Las Vegas. You can get... Um, just about anything you want there. I personally did not deal with drugs. Very often I was asked by people where they could get a bag of weed or, you know, get a gram of Coke or stuff like that, but I never, ever got involved with stuff like that at all. Although my counterparts, um, many of the employees I worked with, kind of fell through the Las Vegas cracks. I mean, I personally did not want to participate in a lot of the stuff that Las Vegas offered only because I lived there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew a lot of co-workers that did. They would go and gamble and drink after work. Um, a lot of them uh, got addicted to drugs, certainly alcohol. And um, if you're not careful living in Las Vegas, it'll chew you up. What's the divorce rate of employees in Las Vegas? <laughs> You know, that's a good question. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure it's extremely high. It it has to be. As we talked about at the beginning of the show, and I certainly um, brought it up in in my book, Under the Neon Sky, um, about what happens, uh, how you disconnect, how uh, there are no weekends, there, there are no just daytime uh, uh, work days. It's, it's just 24-7, which means on, on, in one 24-hour period, there could be four shifts going on. And, um, and certainly, you know, the weekend is a big thing. People have Sunday, Mondays off, or they'll have uh, Tuesday, Wednesday off. And, and that's a challenge if you have a family and kids. Uh, you, you need to make sure you connect with them. I, I knew lots of people that just did not connect and they mm-hmm. divorced. I knew lots of people that had affairs and uh, they divorced. I knew one couple that he, he was a pit boss at, at the MGM and his wife was um, a topless dancer. And he was so proud of her that she was raking in all this money, more money than he was making, and they were taking 
uh, her money and they were putting it away for retirement, you know, and I, I used to think to myself, oh my gosh. And, uh, and of course, they did get a divorce. She fell in love with some guy. So they're all Vegas stories, Rob. They really are. It, it's crazy. It's, it's, you got to hold on tight to your loved ones in that town. There's landmines everywhere. It's, it's, it's a fun place. Vegas offers great stuff. There's wonderful neighborhoods and churches and brand-new schools, clean neighborhoods. It's really a good place to live as long as you don't get caught up in it all. Stay away from the gambling and the drugs and too much drinking and just try to live as clean a life as you can. We've got about a minute until my next commercial break, uh, Jay, but I'd like to talk to you about the organized uh, crime aspect. Everybody who watches television and they see the old uh, the old uh, documentaries of uh, of uh, Vegas, the the beginnings of Vegas, the history of Vegas. There's the organized crime connection that was really brought out in The Godfather and and other motion pictures uh, on the silver screen. When we come back to you, I'd like your feedback as a person who lives, works, and, and admires Las Vegas, the Las Vegas organized crime connection. When we come back from this commercial break, Exo Nation, Jay Rankin is my special guest. His website is www.jayslasvegas.com. That's www.jayslasvegas.com. And he is the author of Under the Neon Sky, a Las Vegas Doorman's Story. And uh, Jay and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news. Nope, we've already done the news, that's right. This commercial break as the Exxon continues right here on Talkstar. Don't go away. Jay Rankin is our special guest. His website is www.jayslasvegas.com. And he's the author of Under the Neon Sky, a Las Vegas doorman's story. So tell me, Jay, is there organized crime still in Las Vegas? Well, I'm sure there is uh, here and there. Um, I'm sure they're involved in things. It's nothing the way it used to be at all. Nothing. Um, one of the things that I personally loved about um, the mob and, and the families that, that ran some of the casinos in Vegas in the old days was their way of, of um, inventing the town for adults. It was their way of customer service, their way of taking care of problems. 
the rules that they had, as, as violent as they were, um, that they had certain rules that, that they lived by. I loved the way they, had, they treated uh, people. Uh, they, they knew what your favorite drink was, what cigarettes you smoked. They, they, they recognized your children and what their names were if you brought them and your wife. There was something about the mob that, um, where their memory was amazing. It really was. They treated you with such class, and you felt like uh, this was your home when you came into town. That, that you could get anything you wanted in this city, they would take care of it for you, and they could. And it went from that, of course, Vegas, um, in the movie Casino, uh, Joe Pesci played the role loosely of a guy named Tony Spilatro. Yeah. And Tony Spilatro was, was a member of one of the uh, Chicago, I believe, uh, crime families. And, and he almost single-handedly helped bring down the mob, uh, not not knowingly, but he certainly gave enough information to the feds where um, the, the, the mob began to slowly deteriorate in Las Vegas, and it was taken over, of course, by corporate, by Wall Street, with bottom lines. And all the things that the mob did, like give away food, give away rooms, uh, all in the name of doing business, uh, no longer happened. This was now all seen as a revenue source for Wall Street and the big corporations. So certainly Las Vegas has grown and reinvented itself and gotten, gotten huge, um, but um, they don't treat people the same way the, the, the Italians treated people in those days. So it's changed a great deal. Is it still existing? Is it still there? Probably. Um, they certainly don't have the hole-in-the-wall gang there any longer. You know, they don't have the five families running Las Vegas any longer. But but I'm sure that that Las Vegas, that the mob has got its toes somewhere in the city here and there. Jay, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight here on the Exxon. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. I wish you much success with your new book entitled Under the Neon Sky, a Las Vegas Storman Story. And we look forward to the next time you visit with us here in the Exxon. Love to come back anytime, Rob. Thank you for having me on. I see, and, and listen to this. Jay Rankin, ExoNation, not Jerry Rankin. Jay Rankin has been our guest this hour. His website, www.jayslasvegas.com. That's www.jayslasvegas.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the Talkstar Radio Network and Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't go away. 